California again, so it's good to have David with us. Matthew. Matthew's back with us. All right, Matthew. All right. It's good to see your smiling face over there again. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And we got Jacob in the back with I like that backup, Jacob. Good job. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Good job. Hallelujah. Well, a lot is going on in the earth right now. A lot of turmoil, a lot of stress, a lot of financial problems, a lot of disease. Of course, we want to keep uh, everyone in prayer that's going through hardships right now and sicknesses, especially the Bible says to do good to all men, especially those who believe, especially our brothers and sisters that are going through hardships. We want to keep right. it in prayer. Praise the Lord. Um, it's good to have everybody, like I said, uh, on tonight. Uh, I'm excited about tonight's message. Uh, uh, but first of all, before we go on to that, I want to I always do this. I like to do this when we meet together. We're we're the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is made up of many members, and we're all one in Christ, and as Christ and the Father are one, and we submitted unto the Lord, and we submitted unto His Word. Amen. His Word is the authority in our lives, in my life, and I hope He is, and it is in yours also. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, if any man speak, let him speak the Word of God. Amen. I don't want to give you any of my opinions, I don't want to give you anything that I think, because that's not worth a lot. But when I speak the word of God, that's what brings forth truth and corrects and straightens out. So we, if we're submitted to God's word, then there's no argument because we say, yes, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong, <laughs> if, if need be. So we, we submitted to that word. And I wanted to, first of all, open it up to uh, if anyone has a need tonight that, uh, that, that needs to uh, bring before the body, uh, maybe have a revelation, maybe God has shown you, maybe have a question in the word of God, uh, we're here for you. We're here to... Make sure that everyone in the body of Christ gets their needs met and that you understand the Word of God thoroughly and understand it accurately according to what the Word says. So we want to open that up first. Anybody have something on their heart tonight? Or how about a need? Anyone have a need tonight? I want to, I want to just, uh, if everybody can keep my, my friend Todd Rios in prayer. Um, he came down with like a fever last night and we're just praying that God touches his, his, uh, his health. I mean, with all yeah. the stuff that's going on, just security in him that you know on the outside it looks like we're um, not looking too good that, that our security comes from Jesus not Amen. in uh, circumstance well the Bible says that uh, in the last days um, actually the last days started on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and said this is what was spoken of by Joel the prophet that in the last days God would pour out his spirit upon all men Young men would see visions. Your old men would dream dreams. Of course, I'm still seeing visions. I haven't gotten that old to see dreams, have dreams yet. And uh, <laughs> you're probably seeing, yeah, having, yeah. you're probably having dreams. You can tell me about some of your dreams. Jill has some dreams, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, spoke of, of, of the prophets of, of old. He spoke about this was the last days, and we're in the last hour of the last days, oh, yeah. according to the Word of God. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, it talks about the seven seals that were to be opened. Mm -hmm. And the seals, one of the seals um, was like the fourth seal was the pale horse. And that pale horse had on death and Hades. Mm. He was bringing death and uh, the, horse, the horse rider was coming in that pale colored horse, mm -hmm. bringing death and, 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 and hell upon the, upon the world. So we know that 
catastrophe, and we know that the hardships are going to come. All you have to do is read the book of Revelation, and you can see that, that those times will come. The times will come when, when hell will fall from the sky, weighing 100 pounds each, falling to the earth. We know that uh, the sun will scorch men, uh, so much so that it'll cry out and won't, and won't escape death, and won't, they won't be able to. We know that the rivers and waters will turn to blood. We know that meteors will fall from the sky like fire coming down. We know that the waters will be poisoned. We see all these things coming. So when we see these plagues that come upon earth, we're not surprised or shocked by them because we know this is supposed to take place before that great and notable day of the Lord. So we're not fearful, but it is a good thing to be fearful if you're not right with God. Right. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Some people say, well, I don't want to fear God. I just reverence him. No, you need to fear God. To fear him not who is able to, cast, to, to destroy your body, but fear him after he's destroyed your body is able to cast you into hell. The Bible says by fear and trembling, you work out your salvation. So the, there is a correct fear in that you've scared enough to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, which 2 Corinthians 5 says that every man, shall appear before the judgment of the seat of Christ to be judged for the things done in his body, right. whether they be good or bad. Mm -hmm. And it will come. And, you know, I, I was thinking the other day how I know a couple of people that have died of, of late, and I shared with them, and they died in their sin. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart because they thought they had more time. Oh, Jesus. They thought they had more time. They didn't expect to die. Oh, my God. And then one got in a car accident and died, had his head decapitated, he was dead. A few weeks before that, I shared with the guy and told him what he needed. I said, you're in, the third, you're in your third watch. I said, the Lord is calling you for the last time. Mm -hmm. He didn't take heed. He died. Oh my God. Uh, not long ago, another guy died of a, a drug overdose. And I've seen him go back and forth. He, he thought he had more time. Mm -hmm. So don't think you've got more time. Oh, no. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the yeah. acceptable time. That's, right. you, that's one thing you don't want to put off. Right. Make it right. This is such a wonderful life in Christ. Amen. Yes, you will receive persecution, you will suffer for, Christ, for righteousness sake, oh, yes. but we're happy in that because we know we've got a city, who's, we're going looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Right. Our citizenship is not of this world. The Bible, Jesus said in John 17 when he prayed for us, he says, I'm not of the world, mm -hmm. right. and my people are not of the world. Sure that we're, we're not of it, we may be in it, mm -hmm. but we're not of it. That's exactly right. So we're looking for that city. Mm -hmm. We're looking for, the, for that new Jerusalem, the Bible my says. God. It says, that if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. So we're looking for the Lord. Yes. And we're going to be with the Lord for all of eternity. Not this short life here. And this life, like it says in the book of James, is like a vapor, Cedric. It's here for a while, and then it disappears. Okay, anybody else have something on their heart? Anybody else have a Pastor, request? Uh, I do have a, a question from, it's a verse from um, Chronicles. Okay, I'll, I'll share that. I, I want to first of all uh, 
finish any prayer requests, I'm going to come back to that, okay? okay. So keep your place there. Anybody, any other prayer requests? I heard, the, I heard the vice president um, quote that for pres Vice President Pence. And when he quoted it, he left something out of that scripture. He read it all, but he left this part out. And the part is, if my people shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and this is the part he left out, and turn from their wicked ways. That part was left out. You see, because God wants, God wants true repentance. That's what repentance is. Right. Right. So if you're not turning from your wicked ways and you're doing all that stuff, nothing's going to happen. Right. Of course, Paul, the, the, the Lord is speaking to Solomon at this time from Solomon's temple, turning to the temple, looking to it, and it'll heal the land. Mm -hmm. and, and just like in, um, for instance, I'll give you another instance, okay, that, that this happened to you, and that was, remember, the, the story of, of uh, Jonah. You know, Jonah, uh, Jonah had been told to go to Nineveh, right? To go preach to Nineveh. And that God was going to destroy Nineveh. Mm -hmm. Jonah tried to avoid that. And when he did, he got on the ship going to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. Mm -hmm. And God sent big waves and stuff. And when he was, and he was in the boat, and the boat was, man, it was wondering, what in the world's going on? And they started thinking, who, who, who messed up? You know, who's not right? We got him. They found, uh, found Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> said, hey, you sleepyhead. That's what they called him. He said, get up from there. We're about to drown. And he says, you need to pray to your God, you know, and see what's going on. And so... You know, he he uh, he began to tell him what happened. You know that he was told he was a prophet, and God told him to go to the enemy. He didn't go. So the only way the guys are gonna stop these ways is if y'all throw me over shit over the boat, out the boat. So man, we don't want to throw this guy out the boat. The guy got to really be angry at us. So we, finally, it got so bad they had to do it. They threw him out the boat. And you know the story: the the, the big fish swallowed him. And he was how long? He was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, just like the Son of God was three days and three nights in in the heart of the heart of the sea. And, and uh, then he finally uh, spits him out. And where's he at when he spits him out? He's in Nineveh, right? <laughs> God had a way of getting him where he needed to be. So God, so God again tells him, go preach to Nineveh. Mm -hmm. And, he, and all, all, his, real, only his, message, his message was only this. He said in three days, no, in third, not, in third, whatever number days, he said God's going to destroy Nineveh. God's going to destroy it, all of it. And he was just walking through the land. I'm going to be with him just a minute. He was just walking through the land, just saying this. Three days, just yelling out. I mean, 30, uh, what was it, 30 days, 60, whatever. He says, God's going to destroy this land. Well, lo and behold, the king began to cry out to God. And he said, we're, gonna, we're gonna all not going to eat anything. We're not going to drink anything. We're going to turn from our evil ways. Mm -hmm. We're going to do righteously. Mm -hmm. We're going we're gonna to walk in what the Lord says. And he commanded everybody to do this. He says, everybody go into sackcloth and ashes, even don't even feed your animals, don't, nothing. We, we're going to see, perhaps God will change his mind and not destroy us. And, he's, and the Bible says, because of their works, because of what they had done, God repented that he, had, that he was going to do that, and he saved them, and they didn't do it. Because their works came forth, because they repented. So, it, so what, what needs to happen is the whole yeah, needs to repent. And, and, uh, and what is repentance? Repentance cannot come. Repentant, repentant, salvation cannot come until repentance is there. And repentance is a turning, a change of mind. That I'm not, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm going to walk in righteousness. I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to do what the Lord commands. 
Uh, Wes, you were going to say something. Did you want to say something, brother? Uh, maybe he went away. Okay. So anyway, that's what the scripture really says. What, and that's what we preach. That's what I preach mainly that I get ridiculed a lot for because a lot of people today are preaching that repentance is not necessary. In other words, obedience is not necessary to inherit the kingdom of God. I preach that obedience, without obedience, you can't have salvation. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 5, 9 that, that God is the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. Obedience is necessary. Yes. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis starts out, and the devil tells Eve, says you can sin, you can eat the forbidden fruit, the command God gave commandment says don't eat of this forbidden fruit, and, and, uh, and he disobeyed, they disobeyed, didn't they? They ate. The, the serpent came and told them you can sin and you won't die. You can sin and you won't die. So they did it, and what happened? They, lo they got, they, they lost, they lost out of the out of the garden and and uh, you end up death came upon him physical death and and uh and brought physical death upon himself and then at the end of the book of revelation the last chapter of the book of revelation chapter 22 the bible starts with it and finishes with it the last chapter the lord says whosoever does not keep my commandments obey my commandments will not be able to enter into the gates into the city you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven with sin so people that need to humble themselves, you're right, God, I'm wrong, I'm going to turn, I've changed my mind, I'm going to turn from walking in sin to walking in righteousness. Okay. There's a scripture in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, it says this, and you can go there if you want, it says, judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin with us, where, where shall those be that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. What's going to happen to those that don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. He says, for if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Right. That's going to question. That ought to make you shake in your boots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that, that scripture is so powerful. That's one of Jill's favorite scriptures. Because it just speaks to the heart of what's going on. Anything, anything else? Any comments so far? Maybe so, uh, one more question. So you're basically saying that anyone that dies in sin is going to be judged and can end up in hell or will end up in the other dimension? Or? There, there's sins that are unto death and sins that are not unto death. The scripture lists those sins in, 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 in the Bible. And, and the sins that are unto death are like in 1 first, first Corinthians 6 and 9. You'll see it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, who's unrighteous? Those that are not righteous, right? What does righteous mean? It means blameless, without sin. Then he goes on and he defines what he's talking about. He said, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor sorcerers, nor effeminates, nor liars, uh, and all these shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So if we do those things, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's why... That's my mission, I feel, in, in my life, is to do that. I guess what first woke me up, and I say this time and time again, when I began to, when I looked in, on, on Google one day and I, and I, and I um, typed in um, about how many men look at pornography on a regular basis, professing Christians, it said over 70% of them do. That means they're not going to heaven. That means you can't go to heaven. Why? 
Because Jesus said this. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter, chapter 5. He says, chapter 7, excuse me. No, it is chapter 5. Chapter 5. He says this. He says, he said, I've said it before that whosoever commits adultery, you know, will not enter the kingdom. But he says, but I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her and lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. Then the next scripture after the next verse says, says this after this. Next verse, he says, so he says, if you, I offend you, pluck it out. So if you having trouble with pornography, what does he say? Pluck your eye out. You think, well, what do you mean? Did I need to go literally pluck my eyes out? You know? He said, and he says this. He says, for it's better to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. So what's he saying? First of all, he's saying, if you don't stop, you're going to hell. That's the first thing that he's saying. Number two thing, he's saying, get rid of whatever is causing you to fall into that. That's sin. In other words, if there's a place you're going that you're being tempted or, or if there's something you look at, get rid of all that stuff. Why? Because you need to have the fear of God and understand you can't make it to heaven with, that, with sin in your heart. Yeah. You see, that's the important thing. Um, did that answer your question? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Go ahead, Wes. This is Wesley, guys. I'm yeah. Scott. Yeah, so I, I think that you hear me okay. Yeah, let me let me turn him up a little bit. Who's got the volume control? Thomas, right behind you. Thomas was muffled again. Back up just a little bit, Wes, off your mic. There you go. Okay. Is it distorted? You, you're okay. It's not bad. Go ahead. Okay. I was just uh, to go along with uh, what is that? Second Chronicles seven fourteen or something. Did you do something different on your mic today that you did last week? Because it is sounding distorted compared to last week. Um, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. Is that better? It's still it's still muffled, but it's louder. <laughs> it's a louder <laughs> muffle, okay? <laughs> About the, like, if they would seek my face and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and I will heal their lands. Well, the healing would be you no longer living in sin, because that's really what the healing is all about. Like uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 14 and 15. Matthew 13, 14 and 15, he's saying. Perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are full of, of, of dull of hearing, 
Their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their ears and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Thank you, Wes. Okay, I hope that cleared that up for you, my brother. Um, anybody, any other comments or questions on that? Y'all ready to go to 1 Peter? I'm excited about going to 1 Peter. I like 1 Peter. We've been going through, and we, we went through, the, we've been, I've been uh, teaching on the book of uh, James. Uh, we finished the book of James. We're on the book of 1 Peter. So let's everybody turn to the book of 1 Peter, and we go to 1 Peter chapter 4. verse 1 through 8 to begin with, if you read with me. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves or strengthen yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles or pagans when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, which is parties, and abominable idolatry. Where they think it's strange that you run not to, with them to the same excess of their living, a riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick or the alive and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent love or charity among yourselves, for love or charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And let's stop there a minute. Let's, let's start at the beginning of it. Very important scriptures. I want you to understand these scriptures. I want to go slowly through them. We want to break them down. I want to hear your comments. And I want to come to a conclusion as a corporate body of what these scriptures mean. This is very, very important for our souls and for our lives. Let's start off on verse 1 here. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh... Arm or strengthen yourselves with the same mind. Now, what kind of sufferings is he talking about? If you go down to verse 12, he, he talks about those sufferings. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Yes. If you are a believer and you are a Christian, the Bible says that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Right. No one is exempt from that. 
If you're not suffering persecution as a Christian, you're probably not living as a Christian. Right. So that, that's part of it. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Right. So here's that suffering again that you find yourself with the same mind as. When he, for when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye. For the spirit and glory of God rests, rests on, upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So let's go back. So it says, arm yourself with the same mind as that. So if, if once you go through those sufferings, as Christ spoke to, and that suffering is, is through repentance, exactly. then what takes place? For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now let's break that down. This is important. Okay, first of all, what does the word ceased mean? Everybody's clear on that. Everybody understand it ceased. So he stopped what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, people will tell you, you can never stop sinning, right? Yeah. How many of you have heard, you'll never stop sinning, you'll sin till the day you die? Right. Everybody's heard that, right? But all of a sudden, we're running into a scripture here that says that this person ceased from sinning. Now, some people would say, oh, that's talking about Jesus. He stopped sinning. Really? Did Jesus ever start sinning that he needed to stop? <laughs> so we know ultimately that it can't be talking about Jesus, right? Because Jesus never sinned to begin with. So how, why would he stop? Who is he talking about? He's talking about you and I. Amen. So he's saying here that we are to stop sinning. This is not the only verse in the Bible that speaks about that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, he says, Awake to righteousness and stop sinning. Amen. So it's, it's, it's throughout the scripture, it talks about these things. But here, I want you to understand, and I want you to, hey, if you want to debate me on it, or if you want to bring something else out and say, no, it can't mean it, but you're gonna, you need to do that. But you need to be in agreement with what it says and say, you know what? I always believed I would sin. But God, the Bible says I'm supposed to stop sinning. So I need to say I was wrong and the Bible's right. See, because if you go down to, if you speak, go down to verse 11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it to the ability which God giveth. Some of you in your Bible says that if any man speak, let him speak the word of God. How many of you got that in your Bible? Different translation. It says the word of God. So we're going to stick to what the word of God says. We're not going to go to an opinion. Let's read a little bit further on verse 2 now. He says that he ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the desires of men, but to the will of God. Not only this, this person, he says, stop sinning, but he lives the rest of his life. To the will of God. Right. Wow. That's wrong or what, Brian? <laughs> I mean, that, that's the word. Listen, don't feel bad if you, if you say, well, I just don't believe that. I, I believe that I'm going to sin till the day I die, and you got a scripture for me. I want to hear it. Mm. But, if, but if you don't have it with you, then you need to humble yourself and say, you know what? God's right. I'm wrong. Right. This is the scary part about this. Go, hold your place there and go to Matthew chapter 7. This is, the, this is the surprise attack of what will happen one day. And I don't want anybody here to be like my two friends that died and was not ready and was not prepared. Okay, and some of your friends as well. It says here, what verse? we're going to go to verse, um, verse 21. 21. 
You're very some of you are very familiar with that, and it bears repeating. That's okay. This is the scary part of that, right here, this verse. Because a lot of people believe that they're saved, and they were saved many, many years ago, and they think they saved, and they got some ticket stamp, like Ben will say, and they're going to enter the kingdom of God. You think you were saved because you went forward at an altar and accepted Jesus Christ, and some pastor passed, tapped you on the back and said, you're good to go because you asked God to forgive you, and you're going to church now, and you're all okay, and you called that saved. That's not saved. You will not find that anywhere in the scriptures that you can be saved by going forward. You will find, however, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says that godly sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance brings you to salvation. Without repentance, there's no salvation. Without a change of life, without a change of mind, there's no salvation. So what, you, what happened is whether it was done inten intentionally or unintentionally, you were lied to. So we want to straighten that out before it's too late. Amen? We want to get that straight. So here we are, and it says in verse 21, just a second, Wes. It says here, verse 21, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But who's going to enter? He who does his will. But he says, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. If you want to turn to it sometime, you can turn to Luke 8, 21, and it say, Jesus says, who is my brother, who is my brother, and who, 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 who is my brethren? Those who hear my word and do it. That's the will of God. The ones that hear his word and do it. There's a lot of people that think, like I just said a little while ago, that they're saved. Thinking that you're saved, believing that you're saved, don't make you saved. Pastor Don, can you truly be saved with a sinful heart? Impossible. Jesus said he didn't come to save you in your sin in Matthew 1.21. He says he came to save you from your sin. That's the good news of the gospel. He came to take away. Remember John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. But if you're still at, if you're committing fornication or you're in adultery, or you're in, the Bible says clearly you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I could, somebody can shoot and code it to and tell you all this stuff, but what good is it going to do if, if I don't tell you the truth, the Bible says an open rebuke is better than love that's hidden. Right. It's better just to tell you the truth. You can deal with it. I'm not, I don't want your blood on my hands. Right. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, if I see somebody that's sinning, I need to warn them that, the, that a sinner does not enter the kingdom of heaven. Warn them of the sin so that they repent of their sin and turn from it and enter the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Because the Bible says in Revelation 21, 27, it says nothing defiled. No sin will enter the kingdom of God. There's your answer. Revelation 21, 27. Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter, last book of the Bible tells you that no one that does not, that, that does not keep the commandments of God will have the right to enter into the gates, into the city. You have to walk in obedience. That's why it says he's the author of eternal salvation to all that obey him. So he says that surprisingly in that day, uh, Sister Marianne, there's going to be people that's going to come to Jesus. They're going to say, I was saved because that pastor told me I was saved. And they're going to be shocked and they're going to stand before him to be judged for everything he's done in their body, whether good or bad. They're going to say, what, 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 what's wrong? You know, I, I, Lord, Lord. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, I, I, I cast out devils in your name. Look what he said. Many will say to me, today, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name, have we not cast out devils? In your name, we've done all these wonderful works. Right. But what will Jesus say? What did Jesus say to him? Depart me, never knew you. 
Then I will profess to you, unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of sin. That's going to be a surprise day, but there's many people that's going there thinking I was okay. And thinking I was okay. But all of a sudden here, you're like, oh wow, it's too late now, and I didn't messed up. I didn't believe that. I believe that preacher instead of seeking God out. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, Jesus, God said this. He said, "If you'll seek me with all your heart, then I will be found." You got to want this bad. You got to want this worse than you want anything else in this world. You got to have a desire for this. With Braxton, I talked about this. You got to want it bad. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffered violence from John the Baptist until now, but the violent take it by force. You got to really want this. You got to agree with the, with with the Holy Spirit and walk into this because I don't want anybody to be surprised on that day. Because we, you, grant it, write it down, put it down. You will stand alone before God, and you will be judged. The Bible says in Revelation chapter twenty two twenty, it says for everything that you've done, you come and you're going to stand. You don't want to be ashamed in that day. You want Him to say. Enter thou in, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Even him saying that. That's what he said. Good and faithful. Are you faithful? Right. Are you faithful to his commands? I, I was thinking today, I was thinking uh, to ask a question. And the two, two questions I had on my mind, Cedric, was to ask everybody, well, are, are you perfect? Are you morally perfect? I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if you nail in a hand, nail in your in. in in, in a board and you hit your finger. I'm not talking about that kind of perfect. I'm talking about are you morally perfect? Are you walking without sin? Or are you even asking, are you holy as God is holy? You know, I don't want you to answer it. I'm just putting that question out there. I want you to think about it. And, and, then, and then if somebody says, well, 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 no. Nobody's like that. Then I would say to them, God said in Matthew 5, 48, he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He said in First Peter chapter you write there, First Peter chapter one, verse eighteen. He said, "Be holy, as I am holy." Why aren't you listening to what God said? I know in Luke six forty six, He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say?" Why are you calling me Lord? Why are you saying you're a Christian and you're not doing what God says? Why are you transgressing? Why not turn around and and, and do, be doers? The Bible says in James one nineteen, He says. Don't be deceived. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Amen. God is calling you to be a doer. Yes. Look, you can't drink the cup of the devil and drink the cup of the Lord too. Mm-hmm. You've got to make up your mind which one you want. Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 12 verse, verse 11 says, Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. No, that's true. So here we are, and, and you see this on that final day, those saying that. Wes, did you want to say something? Yeah, that great, great time with uh, the will of God. Hopefully my audio is better. My wife figured it, it out. It is better. It is better. <laughs> so, uh, Much to better. go along about have ceased from sin out of uh, Peter, um, you know, he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And you're saying that, that uh, you know, I know you've said in the past that that can't be Jesus Christ because he never did sin. So it has to be referring to a believer and not to Jesus Christ himself, like some would try to say. But in Second uh, Peter chapter 2, um, speaking of the, the false teachers, 
uh, verse 1 starts out, says, but there are also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. But this is, it's talking about these false teachers in this whole passage of chapter 2. Um, but verse 14, speaking of these uh, same false teachers, it says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot see. Chase stops in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it means that, not that they can't, it's they won't. It's that they choose not to. And so that's why there are these spots and blemish, blemishes carousing in their own deception while they feast with you. While they try to, they try to, Jude says they creep in through a side door and they don't have the right garment on, like Jesus says, and he goes, how did you get in here? Um, you know, it's because the right garment, according to Revelation chapter 18, is the righteous acts of the saints. It's righteousness, it's holiness. It's like 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, don't be deceived. He that doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Amen. So in contrast to those that have ceased from sin, which is the true believer, the false teachers are those that won't cease sin. Okay. This is way off, but something that was said, and I'm reading. So maybe you can explain this to me, and then Wes can help explain this as well. Second um, Corinthians 5, and you hear a lot of people get caught in this 20 and 21, and you know exactly what I'm talking about probably already, but it said, and this is King James Version, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. And then I'm puzzled right there, period, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what, what what's being said and what's being preached is that it's nothing we do, it's through Christ, and, that, and that, that, that's where that, all that comes from. So, but elaborate and please. Okay, okay. Me... For, first of all, let's, let's take 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in context. 2 Corinthians okay. chapter 5, uh, first of all, starts off and it says in verse 15, it says that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So, as a Christian, as a believer, now you don't live for yourself anymore, you're living for Christ. Amen? It says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He's a new creation. Then it goes right after that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah. Old things are past, and all things have become new. So all the old things are gone. Everything's become new. He's a new creation, like it says in Ephesians 4, 20. It talks about that to put off the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and put on the new man, which is created after Christ in true righteousness and holiness. So the new man is a man that's walking in the righteousness and true righteousness and holiness like Christ. Now, as it goes down here, it says, now, you're ambassadors. We're being ambassadors tonight. We're ministering the gospel. We have the ambassadors, ambassadorship of sharing the gospel with us. Now, Christ was our sin, better translations even say that he's our sin offering. He was offered up for us, for all of our past sin, not future sin, all your past sin. Therefore, righteousness was imputed to you of your past sin. In other words, you were counted as though you had never sinned before. When you come to Christ in true repentance and holiness, it's as though you had never sinned because Christ became the ultimate sacrifice 
of being the perfect lamb and the perfect high priest to offer himself as a sacrifice for us so that we wouldn't have that scar of sin on us anymore. The Bible says that the blood of bulls and he goats could never take sin away. And that was before Christ, right? So we needed someone to, to wash our sins away. That's why Christ first went down for three days and three nights to, speak, to proclaim the gospel, to free those that were still had that stain of sin on them so that they could be resurrected and be in, in, in Christ and be freed from that. If before, they still had the stain. They had to continue offer sacrifices for their sins year by year because it could, the, the blood of bulls and he goes could never cleanse the conscience. There was always a consciousness of sin. But in the New Testament, Paul writes, he says, I've exercised my conscience to be to have be void of offense. Always my conscience is exercised for. Where is that? Uh, which one? Which you just called. Acts 23. Acts 23 and also Acts 24. Both of them. It says he's exercises himself before God and man to have a conscience void of offense. So his conscience was clean. Our conscience is clean now. When we confessed our sin and we repented and turned from our sin, oh man, thank God, all those past sins are gone. Why? Because you remember when Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in half. What did that signify? Before you could not enter into the Holy of Holies, before you had no approach to the Father, you had, to, you had to have a high priest. You had to offer up lambs and goats. Now you have approach to the Father. Before the Holy Ghost was on side of you. Now the Holy Ghost is inside of you, the Bible says. Got it? In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost was outside. It never, he couldn't live in. But now you are the temple of God. Now you are where God resides. Now you can come boldly to the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews 4.13. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. That's the difference in living before Christ and living after Christ. Right. Now your conscience is cleared. Now your old sins are washed away and you, and you had remission of sins. You delivered from the bondage of sin to live a life in complete victory in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So that's the difference. But if you're still walking in sin, that does... But if you're still good. walking in sin, none of that applies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, I'm just, you know... Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's found in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 51. And that's, that's what David is talking about when, when he's talking about calamity coming into a person's life. In other words, you can beat a Christian up and he's going to get up again. And you can beat him up. It has nothing to do, if you read the context of the scripture, it has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with afflictions that come into our lives. That a righteous man will fall, fall down. You might beat him because these guys were afflicting David. They were putting, they were coming in, and coming against him, but David kept rising up again, kept rising up again. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all in Psalms 34, 19. And a lot of people use that context. They try to use that for sin, but read the context of the scripture. It's talking about calamity that was coming on David on the outside. It had nothing to do with sin at all. The Bible says we're, we're like sheep that's killed all day long. Counter slaughter, like a lot of people also use, well, I die daily. If you look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily, and you look at it, he's talking about uh, that he's fought with the beast of Ephesus. He's talking about the, the, the outward affliction of what he's encountering. That has nothing to do with sin. We are right. we as Christians, and as we read here, and, and even in Peter, we as Christians are persecuted. Right. We're beat up, right. but we rise back up when we're beat up. Yeah. It's not because we're falling, a person is falling in sin. Yes, Wes? To go along with Ben's question, I found this online. I was trying to 
trying to find this because I know uh, someone else said something similar to this about this uh, passage. And so this isn't my material. This is somebody else's I just found on the Internet. It says the Greek word uh, I have in mind is ham... Hamartia. We wouldn't know Hopefully anyway if you've been asked to the right. What's that? It is, it is the word translated sin in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Certainly, hamartia means sin, and it is often translated as such. But considering that the version of the Old Testament commonly, commonly used at the time uh, the New Testament was written, the version they often had in mind as they wrote was the Septuagint. It is often very enlightening to see how the Greek word in the New Testament was used in the Greek Septuagint. It says, what we find is that the Septuagint, the word uh, hamartia, is very commonly used to mean a sin offering. Right. That is, it is used where the Greek, where the Hebrew scriptures are obviously referring to a sin offering and where the English translation also uh, have sin offering. In just three chapters alone uh, that I happen to pick out. So he's just saying that that word sin, in, in, in according to the, the, to the Greek Septuagint, which is, the trans, uh, which is what most of the people back uh, in Jesus' time read from, um, it referred to it as a sin offering. So he was made a sin offering. He wasn't made sin. Yeah. He couldn't be made a sin because uh, according to Hebrews chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter 9, it says that um, he was offered up without spot to the Father. And also it says that he was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Father. So if our sin was translated to him on the cross, he could never be that. Yeah. Agreed. Amen. Good. And that's just something got to be so careful with, with translations because I'm looking at Psalms 37 24 it says though he may stumble he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand Amen. and then you can go well you can go through a lot and they don't all say the same thing though he fall he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand though he falls so because a lot of people can say well look it says it right there though he may stumble we're going to stumble I still like Christ yeah. But you got to be careful with it. Okay, let's go back to uh, 1 Peter 4, unless anybody has any other comments. Did you have something you had on your heart? Any other? You're good? You good? Okay. All right, back to uh, 1 Peter 4. Okay, so we read that uh, after you suffered a while, suffered in the flesh, you, you cease from sin, you stop sinning. Um, a, a good, another good verse along with that, um, Cedric, is what 1 Peter chapter 5 also, if you go there since, we, uh, since we're in 1 Peter, the next chapter he says this in verse 8. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a ruling lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. A lot of people are familiar with that scripture. You, got, you have an adversary. And the adversary is seeking whoever he can devour. So he's going to, how's he going to try to come? He's going to try to come through darts. He's going to try to come through what somebody else says. But you know, you don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But so it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. You resist that. that that enemy, that devil that comes at you, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. Listen, you're going through the same things that somebody else goes through. We all are subject to temptation. We're subject to trial. We're subject to attacks of the enemy. But we know that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you may want to jot that scripture down. You'll be hearing it a lot. It says, no temptation has taken you, but such is as common to man. 
God is faithful, hallelujah, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will, through the temptation, provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. All you have to do is take the way of escape. He said he promises that you will not fall to that temptation. You will not sin if you take the way of escape. Of course, the Lord is the way to escape. Uh, and, and, and cutting off the hand or the eye that offends you, those places that you go get away from, but the Lord will speak that to you. Okay, but listen to this. Verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you've suffered a while. Does that sound familiar to 1 Peter chapter 4? After you've suffered a while, make you what? Perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. So is that not saying the same thing that we just read in 1 Peter chapter 4 in the very next chapter? Mm -hmm. Saying the same thing. So after you've suffered a while, he's, he, what is he? he perfects you. Okay, let's go on and talk. And as we go on here in 1 Peter 4, I'm excited about 1 Peter 4. I love it. Uh, it, it says here, for the time past, mm -hmm. that was your past time that you walked in these things. Keep in mind, Galatians 5.24, another good scripture to write down and always remember. It says this in, in Galatians 5.24. It, it says, well, let's go here. Hold your place here. Where are you going? Galatians 5.24. Those who of Christ. Have Galatians 5.24. Good scripture to keep, keep handy. They that are Christ. How many are Christ in here? Not that you're Jesus Christ, but that you're Christian. Okay, you better not, don't raise your hand too fast now. Because I'm going to read what the rest of the verse says. They that are Christ have. Is that, is that future tense, present tense, or past tense? Past tense. past tense. Have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust and passions and desires. It doesn't say you're going to do it. It says you have done it. So, so wait a minute. Let's hold, uh, before you go to the other one, let's, let's just examine this a minute. Well, somebody told me that I come to the Lord just like I am and the Lord will clean me up. Ever heard that one? That's, that's what it's saying here, if you're really a Christian... You have crucified the flesh. That's part of repentance. That's part of your repentance, is that you put those things behind you. You stop sinning. I knew that when I first came and had an encounter with Christ, but somebody talked me out of it. I don't want anybody to talk you out of it. You know, your conscience tells you sin is wrong. Now, if everybody tells you you're always going to sin, then you're going to believe that you're always going to sin, you probably will sin then. But if you can believe what the Bible says, 1 John 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says, if you sin, you have the devil. Everybody tries to argue, well, that means if you habitually sin. Huh. Oh, really? How many times you got to murder to be a habitual sinner, to be a murderer? I don't know about you, but if I go to prison and I go to death row and somebody murdered somebody, you know what they call him? Murderer. A murderer. murderer. <laughs> so it's not how many times. It's that you don't do that anymore. You're a believer. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, says, let everyone that names the name of Christ Depart from sin. Stop sinning. It's all over the Bible. When you see this thing, everywhere you're going to read, you're going to see that. But because you've been taught otherwise, our minds have got so programmed into thinking elsewise that you can just sin and be okay. That's right. That's Hebrews chapter 6. Very good. Amen. 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 Okay, let's go further down. Everybody okay? Any, any other comments? Uh, I have a question. So, when you sin, does, does God 
you on earth, or God never judges you until you're until you make it to heaven, until you're in front of him. You know what I mean? Okay, in other words, if you if you fornicate, you die. Would that be a yes. that be a good example? Yes. Fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God, the Bible says. And Plain and they, simple. I got it. Or are we not until we die? Yeah. Well, well, the sin judges us. Okay. Um, go to go to John chapter three. Let me show you something today. So, Pastor Diane. Um, so, <laughs> to have salvation, you got to show um, fruits of repentance, correct? Uh, Jesus said this in, in Luke 13, 3 and verse 5. He said, repent, or you shall likewise perish. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if there's no repentance, there's no salvation. Mm -hmm. So if you're still sinning, that means you hadn't repented yet. So there's no salvation until there's re true repentance. You've got to come to a full repentance where sin stops in your life. Just like it said in 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse, chapter 3 of, of John, I wanted to read to you in verse 19. He says, and this is condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. If your deeds are evil, you loving darkness rather than you loving light. You loving your sin more than you loving God. Remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, his, his, the Bathsheba's husband? Right. Nathan the prophet came to David and he said, you, have, you hated God and you hated his commandments because he was walking in darkness. You're either going to walk in darkness or are you going to walk in light? You cannot mix darkness with light. You know, it won't. It does not mix. You have to be clean from that. You have to walk in righteousness. Let me finish the scripture. But he that does do it truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest. What he's doing, he, he wants it manifest. He wants it exposed. He wants to clear that they are wrought in God, that we have a synergy with God. If you'll draw near to God, God draws near to you. If you begin to turn from your sin, God's going to help you to turn from your sin. As you, as you come to him, he, he works synergy with you. Yes, Jill? Another thing, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about they were eating communion, but a lot of people were coming early, and they were eating all the food, you know, and they weren't thinking about the other people. And he said that they, that they were not discerning the Lord's body. They were not respecting God's body. And he says, for this reason, some are sleep sick, and some are even dead among you, because they were judged right then and there for their sin, and they, and, and they were judged, and some died, and some were sick. I have no doubt that what's going on even with the coronavirus going on and stuff, that this is judgments that come upon this world because there's sin in the world. In the book of Acts, what's that? What are the uh, two that kept the money back and, and they both reaffirmed? Okay, here's a good example. Ben, ben gave a real good example. Listen, listen to this. In the book of, book of Acts, chapter 5, there were two people. There was Ananias and Sapphira. And, and, and listen to what they did. Watch this judgment. Uh, they, they had sold their land for a certain amount, and, but they agreed uh, between themselves not to tell Peter how much they sold it for and hold back part of the money. Mm -hmm. 
So they came, so the husband walked in first, Ananias, and he came to Peter and he said, I sold my land for such and such amount. He lied. Well, Peter knew, the Lord revealed it to Peter. No, he says, why you chose, it was your money, it was your land. Why did you choose to lie to the Holy Ghost? And when he did, he fell dead right there. His wife came in right after him, who was not privy to what had just happened to her husband. And he, and he asked the wife, he says, did you sell the property for, for such and such amount? Because she didn't talk to her husband. He was dead. She didn't know he was dead yet. She said, yes, that's what we sold the property for. She lied too. She fell dead. How many sins did it take for them to, to die and lose it? One sin. You know what they did? They lied. How many times you lied in the past? Thank God he spared us. <laughs> okay? We have another opportunity. They didn't. For one sin, they ended up losing their life right then and there, and the wrath of God was upon them. For as long as you have breath on this earth, you have a chance to turn? As long as you have breath? You, you do, and, let, and we don't know, some people Some people obviously don't, because the Bible says in, in, in Hebrews 10, 27, it says that if we sin willfully, after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for our sin. So if we willfully sin, and most all sin is willful sin. In other words, you get mad, you fornicate, you're not doing it, oh, I just happened to fornicate today. No, no, you, it was a willful sin. So, so that is willful sin. So if we sin willfully, the Bible says there's no more sacrifice for our sin. There is a place that a person can go that he seared his conscience and he's, he walked in disobedience and said he cannot come back. Reprobate. Oh, wow. it becomes, he gets a reprobate mind. You don't want to get into that position. Marianne? And once you know the truth, you say it's better not to know. It's that's good. Know yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He said it, it, yeah, because if you walk away from that, it's like Second Peter chapter four says that you, um, you better for you you like a pig returning to his sow or a dog returning to his vomit. Better that you didn't know the way. Amen. Good comments. Good good discussions. You guys are doing great. Good. Okay, so let's go further. Um, so we, we read that the time passed in my life. We we walked in this way, and that people think it's strange if you don't do what they do. That you're not living in that way. But these people shall give account, verse 5, to them that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. We talked about it. For th this cause was the gospel preached also to them that they might be judged according to men in flesh, but live according to God the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober, watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover a multitude of sin. Yeah. Let's that, park there a minute, okay? That never make any, okay, a multitude of sin in your past. Okay, what is love? Let's, let's start there. Let's define love, okay, by the scriptures. First of all, the Bible says, and I want to clear this up because I wanted to say this a while ago. Some people say, well, I have faith. You know, therefore, I'm saved by faith alone. The Bible says that you can, you can have all faith in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and have not love and it profits you nothing. It says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profits anything, but it's faith working through love. It's not just faith, it's faith working through love. Now let's define what true love is in the Lord by the scriptures. Okay, Cedric? Let's let's go, where do we go first, Cedric, to define that? Come on, I'm a quiz it. First Corinthians 13. Okay, that we just did that one. Give me another one. Um, How about John chapter 14? Okay, let's go to John chapter 14. Hold your place there in 1 Peter. 
Because he says that love covers a multitude of sin and we'd have fervent love one for another. What was the second commandment of the, of, of, that the Lord gave? Love, love, your love your neighbor as yourself. So, so he said, that is the second commandment, which all the commandments hinge on two commandments, right? The first one and the second. What's the first commandment? To love God in all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second was to love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the most important commandments. If you do those two, you'll fulfill all the rest. Okay? sin, you've got darkness still in your heart. The sin comes out, the darkness goes out, the light comes in. Yes. Make sense to you? Because yes. yes. you think about it. Jesus said, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul actually said, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? No. No. He says, you have no fellowship. It's like a believer with an unbeliever. It's, you can't be unequally yoked together with that. But the Lord says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. And I will be your father. You shall be my sons. And this is the promises. And then it says, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Amen. So there you have it. So, if, you know, if you got a room that's dark and you got a room that's light, you, you, they don't mix. If the light comes in the dark, the dark's got to go, right? You take a flashlight, bring it in a room, the, the, the flashlight is going to get rid of the darkness. You're going to be able to see something. So he's saying that here. He's saying, once you... Love me, you'll obey my commandments, the light comes in, I'm coming in. Me, my Father, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to live in you. You're the temple of God. You're filled up with me and the Father and the Son. That's the good news. You're full of the Lord. Don't you want to be full of the Lord? Don't you want the Holy Ghost and the, the Jesus and the, all, everybody, all living in you? But the sad thing is many people think, well, they live in me, but I'm not keeping his commandments. That's right. Matter of fact, in 1 John chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The one who says, I know him and keeps not my commandments is a liar, and the truth's not in him. What's the scripture saying? Mm -hmm. He says that also this, he says, If you say that you know him, and you say you're in the light, and you walk in darkness, you lie and do not the truth. You gotta walk in the light, brother. Right. All right, let's go back. Okay, we, we talked about love. Let's go one more scripture about love. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 13. It also says in John 15, 14, you're my friends if you do. Very good. Uh, yeah, I wanted to bring thank you, Cedric. He says in, in, in that he just read in John 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. That's right. That's right. What if you're not doing what he commands you? What, what if you're not doing what he commands you? You're not his friend. Right? What'd you say, Terry? You're not his friend. You're not his friend. Not his friend. You're not even his friend if you're not listening and doing what he's saying. Again, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? You want to be a friend of Jesus? Amen. Just a friend of Jesus. Then you, then you, then you obey him. Uh, Romans 13. And verse 7. Oh, we start verse six. For this cause, uh, for this cause, pay ye tribute also. Uh, also, for they are ministers of uh, attendees, continuing upon everything. Render it therefore to all dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom fear. We actually want to start at verse eight. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Mm -hmm. For the he that loveth another hath fulfilled the whole law. The whole law. Why? This is what he tells you why. 
for this. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended as saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. See, when you're walking in love, it's impossible to sin. If I love Jacob, and I really love Jacob, would I steal from him? Would I, kill, would I kill him? Would I hurt him? Would I do anything to hurt my brother? All I would want to do is bless him. Amen. I could not sin against him. Amen. Because I love him. That's right. If I sin against him, I don't love him. Amen. Now, you might feel some kind of love, passion, like a dog love, you know, or something, you know. But the love that we're talking about here is a deep love. It's not a shallow love. Yes, it is. It's a really intimate love. So he says, love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That's why it says love covers a multitude of sin. Because there's no, no sin in love. You see? Galatians 5.14. The whole law is just... It's fulfilled in law. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, amen. Amen. The whole law comes down to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in that. That's right. Amen. Um, Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to go a little bit further and we'll stop. Um, verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudge. That's part of love. As every man hath received the gift, so even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If We talk about if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're going to stop there uh, and then go on from there to next week because we're uh, close, close to the time. But before we close out, I'd like to open it up. Anybody have any questions about what we talked about today? Or is it all clear? I know that you've probably heard a lot of things uh, in the past. Um, I, I know that some people have a very difficult time letting go of what they've been taught in the past because they were raised up in it. They almost like programmed in that to think that way. A lot of people have to take pride in that to want to say, well, I was saved when I was this age or with 20 years ago or whatever, and uh, want to glory that. And what, what we talked about tonight was that you really were not saved. You were told you were saved. You are not saved. You do not have salvation until repentance comes. The Bible is clear. Read 2 Corinthians 7.10. There has to be repentance. There's godly sorrow. There's an order. Godly sorrow, repentance, the turning from your sin, and then comes salvation, and, so, and then he says salvation not to be repented of. What does that mean? That means like if you begin to walk in holiness, then you go back to sin. That means you've repented of your repentance. It means you repented of what you turned from, and you're back in that place, like Sister Marianne says, where you were returning to the vomit. You return to the dog's Sir? Yeah, what happens is, is you, you, the people will, will do this. They'll say, well, I can, you know, I can repent, and I can come back. And I can repent, and I can come back. In, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, the Lord says this. He says, I am weary with your repentance, and I will not hear you because people think that I can just keep doing this back and forth. Right. But the Lord is not happy with you. You get into a dangerous condition. Esau was in that kind of condition. 
The Bible says, though he sought repentance with tears, he could not find that place of repentance because he had quenched the Spirit of God. And you can, people grow callous when you start accepting sin. The Holy Spirit deals with you. If there's something in, you, in our lives, he's dealt with us, okay? And if you, if you go ahead and do that sin, after a while, the sin won't even bother you that much. What's happened? Is the sin less sinful? No, it's exceedingly sinful. You calloused your mind. The Bible calls it that you seared your conscience with a hot iron because you quenched the spirit. You know, that's a very dangerous condition to be in. So my admonishment is, is to find that place of godly sorrow in your life. Have the fear of God in your life. James explains how to do it. He says this, he says, he says humble yourself before the Lord. For God opposes the proud. The proud man's going to say, hey, man, I was saved 20 years ago. I'm good to go. Right. That's the proud man. The humble man says, you know what, according to what I heard tonight, according to what I'm reading in my Bible, I was wrong. God's right. I need to, I need to, I need to humble myself to God. God, you're right. I, I'm wrong. I need to get things right. Brian? Yeah, so uh, we're going to pray before we close out, right? We're yes, sir. All right, so. I, I like a man that wants to pray. <laughs> yeah. I'm that good. I need to do that, but, like, saying that, because I used to think I was actually saved, but you saying that fully repenting is really like not going back at all, and I've always had like a little bit bad habit of doing that, like going back to the sin that's holding me down, you know, whether it's lying or anything like that nature, so I just want like to pray that we stay on that path, and Amen. not, you know, Amen. get off of that. That's, a, that's good words, Brian, and, yeah. and the thing is, if, of understanding, and I'm, I'm explaining that now, that a godly sorrow is, is by you really going to the Lord, or by me or any of us, when we find ourselves in a condition that we have sinned. Right. All of us have gone, a lot of us has gone through that, where, where we thought, hey, wait, I was saved 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. Then I realized, no, man, I had sin in my life. I can't, yeah. have, I can't claim salvation if I got sin in my life. I had to humble myself to the Word. Yeah. Cedric had to. Many of us had to. My wife, all of us had to. And come to that place where I was broken before God, said, God, you're right. I'm wrong. Then what does he say after that to do? If you go with me to James chapter four, so you'll have this and you'll understand it. James chapter four and verse eight. Verse eight, I just quoted. Um, what is it? Verse. We'll go to verse seven now. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Okay. How do you submit yourself to God? Well, how do you submit yourself to your boss at work? What do you want me to do? <laughs> You know, right? That's how you submit yourself to God. By what his word says, God, I'm submitting. Okay, what do you have for me, God? I'm going to do it your way. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. It's called humbling yourself. It's humbling, yeah. Saying, yeah, you go to work. What do you want to do next, boss? Yeah, okay, I'm doing it. All right, resist the devil. Now, why? Why does he say resist the devil? Because if you read Matthew 13, the parable of the sower and the seed, the enemy tries to come and take that word out of your heart. So when he comes to come and take that word out of your heart, you resist him. Right. Say, no, I'm sticking with what God said. That's right. and, and he will flee from you. He's got to. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Oh, yes. You don't wait for God to do it. God's already made the first move. Right. He died on the cross. Yeah. Now it's your move. Yeah. You draw near to God, yeah. and he promises if you'll draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. Right. That's a promise. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Then he, then he says, after that he says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. In other words, clean up. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. A lot of people are real double-minded. Like they'll come and they'll fellowship and they'll act one way, yeah. holy, but then when they get around another crowd, yeah. they act another way. 
That's being double-minded. I've done that too. Okay? We all have been guilty of that. Okay? We're all in there with you. Uh, but that's double-minded. You don't want to be one way one and one way. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. We don't have a dual citizenship. We're not of the kingdom of the world. We're of the kingdom of God. So here he says, cleanse your hands, your sins, purify your heart, your double mind. Why? Because all sin comes from the heart. If I got something ugly coming out of my mouth, where is it coming from? It's coming from my heart. And if you read Mark chapter 7, it says all sin does, comes from the heart. Whether it's fornication, adultery, whatever it is. Okay, then he says, look at this. This is important. In this repentance, he says, be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. What does that say? That's a brokenness. God, I need help. God, I need you to forgive me. God, I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm turning from sin. I'm going to live for you. I don't want to go to hell, God. I'm, I'm crying out to you, God. Really broken to the Lord and crying Cry out to him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, he said, you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. If you haven't bled resisting sin, then he says, you're not, you, you don't have it yet. You've right. got to really want this thing. This is not something that you're going to tippy-toe into the kingdom. Right, right. This is something where you've got to get violent in your faith and come forward and say, I mean, God, i got to have this. Right, Braxton, we talked about it. Sure. i got to have this. And I'm turning, I don't, there's nothing that compares to this. It's not worth it anymore, Lord. I, I know I did these things and all this, but it's not worth giving up eternal life for. So I'm, I'm turning from the fornication. I'm turning from the lust. I'm turning from the lies. I'm turning from whatever it might be, all of it. Amen. Then he says, when you do that, you let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness, then you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And what's he going to do? He's going to lift you up. Hallelujah. You humble yourself to the Lord like that? He's going to lift you up. He's going to take care of you. He says, okay, now I'll give you salvation. Right. Now you got it. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah, one more thing, too. Like, uh, I think there's, like, one thing that really bad was, like, playing a comparison game. Is what? Playing a comparison game. Like, comparing myself to other people. Oh, comparing. Yeah, comparing myself to, like, other people. So, like, I'll be like, oh, that guy went to the club, so I'm not as bad. So, it's like, I think God mm -hmm. needs to work on that in my heart. Like, I should compare myself to other people. Just because I'm not killing somebody or I'm not doing something like to that nature doesn't mean I'm still not a sinful person. Yeah, you, you try. You, you, people end up making themselves feel better about yeah, themselves exactly. by bringing somebody else or seeing what they're doing exactly. and think, well, I'm not as bad as that guy, so right, you know, right. I'm going to be okay. But the Lord's requirements is not like a like you're in school and you make a 90, a 90 on your test right. and you passed, okay? Right, right. you got to make 100 on yeah, this yeah, test, yeah. okay? Perfect that's the only score. way you get it. you got to yeah. have a perfect score. Right, right. You know, that's the way the Lord has it. Praise yeah. the Lord. But that's good, Brian, that yeah. you humble yourself, you know, and that God said, if you humble yourself, he's going to exalt you. He's going to lift you up. He's yeah, going to lift you up. also said, uh, confess your sins one another that for healing. Yeah, that's right. So in, yeah. that, in that action, is healing. Uh, uh, Wes, we, we got a couple of new people here today and, and some online. Uh, and would you would you want to give them a couple of encouraging words, Wes? Brian here and, and, and has spoken that he, he wants to have this in his life and he wants to turn and really walk with the Lord, and, and uh, would you give him some encouraging words? Yeah, just uh, keep pressing in, and um, like the Bible says, um, everyone must know them, know God for themselves. From the least of, from the least of them to the greatest of them, they shall all know me, and uh, that's really what it's all about. I know, uh, for me personally, uh, it's been just. You know, those who believe must believe that he is God.
God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so that's what we're all called to do. We're, you know, just dig deep into the Bible, you know, especially if you came out of the false system, you know, just really saturate yourself with the scriptures, the New Testament, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just keep going, just keep going over it and over it again. And you'll see the simplicity of what Jesus taught. Because, um, you know, there's certain things that, for, for me, you know, and I know other people, even within our other fellowship, one of the one individuals said, you know, one thing that really spoke to him is where Jesus talked about the way being narrow and it also being difficult, which leads to life. And this easy believism that's out there that most of uh, the majority of the mainstream so-called Christian that are a part of, they're just saying that it's just a mere confession it's just, you know, you don't do anything. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. But Jesus said that it was a difficult way. So just, you know, look at the teachings of Christ. Saturate yourself with his teachings, you know, and you'll see that you, Jesus made it real simple. Whoever loses his life will find life. And whoever, you know, uh, seeks to save their life will not find life. They will lose their life in the end. They won't have eternal life. Or whoever will take up their cross and follow me, you know, that's where they're going to find life. But whoever doesn't do that, they're not worthy of it. And you can't, you can't be saved and be not worthy of it. They're like complete contrasting, you know, ideas. You have to be worthy of them to be saved. You have to take up your cross. You have to die to your passions and lusts, like Galatians 5.24 says. So all these scriptures that are like become alive to you begin to see hey, wow, I was deceived. I didn't see the truth. And so then that's why I, just to encourage, you know, anybody, just dig into the scriptures yourself and really look and see what they say. For, for me, it was like Matthew chapter 5, the one that Don had, uh, had quoted earlier about if you lust after your heart, you've already committed adultery. And Jesus specifically saying, if you don't cut off your evil hand, and cast it from you. If you don't pluck out your evil eye and throw it from you, you're in danger of hellfire. Now, the simplicity of it is this. If you're in danger of hellfire, you're not saved. So if you don't pluck out the evil eye and not only just pluck it out, but throw it from you, not only cut off the evil hand, but throw the evil hand from you, you're not saved. James 1.21 says, lay aside, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. If you don't lay it aside, your soul's not saved. So study those scriptures, just dig into the scriptures and, and really, you know, because that's the one that's built upon the rock. And if you build your, build your life upon the rock, which are the teachings of Christ, you're not going to be shaken when the storm comes, when tests comes, when trials comes, you won't be moved. But if you trust in man and the doctrines of men, you're going to fall susceptible to the temptations and wiles of the devil. Amen. So God bless. Thank you for those words, Wes. Anybody on Skype want to say anything else? I notice we've got quite a few people on there. Uh, anybody have a comment? Praise the Lord. I got a comment. 
You got a comment, okay. Yeah. So for a while, like whenever I was going through my repentance stage, uh, Pastor Dan always talks about how sometimes it takes a person a year, sometimes it takes them a couple of days, sometimes it takes them instantly. But no matter what, how long it takes that person, ultimately the message stays the same. The person's not saved until it's done. So however long it takes you to do it, that's your business. But it, until you do it, that's whenever you're, you know, you're sealed or whenever you're um, pure or whenever you're imputed righteousness. But nevertheless, through that stage, I always thought that repentance was me saying I repent. Okay, like a verbal thing. I repent, right. Lord. Or I repent. You know, it's really not a verbal thing. It's really an active thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually you doing it. It's a physical thing. And so versus you saying I repent versus doing repentance, like repentance, actually doing it, it's different. You don't just say I repent. You actually repent. It's actually a physical thing. Turning from your wife. You know what I mean? And so I was thinking in my mind that it's a verbal term mm -hmm. when it's really a physical term. Mm -hmm. And so it's not mostly about me saying I repent, Lord. Like, did you hear me? It's mostly like, okay, I'm going to repent. I'm going to do it. I'm going to now move. I'm going to now put the stuff away. I'm going to now separate myself. I'm right. going to now do this. I'm going to now do that. That's repentance. You know what I mean? Day by day, you know, however long it takes you. But it's not until that happens right. that you become imputed righteousness. And you also not promise today or tomorrow. So no. You might as well get it. Got to do it. I'm, I'm really proud of Braxton. I hope you don't mind me speaking about you, Braxton. But Braxton came a, a while back, and he heard the word. And he didn't come for a while. Uh, but then he realized, i got to have this. And he made some phone calls to me, and he said, he called me one night, and he said, uh, I love that brother. <laughs> he said, man, he said, I want you to keep me account. I want you to tell me to try. I want you to hold me in, man. Don't don't let me go. Just talk to me straight. Right. And I was so proud of him, you know. And he, he calls me almost every day or texts me, keep in touch with each other. And, and he's a changed man. And I'm so blessed to be with him. Along with Cedric, these guys coming up uh, that love the Lord. I'm excited. All my brothers and sisters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days.
together now. What a blessing tonight. Enjoyed the fellowship. I don't know about you. I've really been a blessing here to have shared God's word together and to feast on the word of God. Uh, Wes quoted a scripture in 2 Peter chapter 2 that talked about uh, when they feast with you. That's talking about we have love feast. When we come together, this is a love feast, the Bible says. And we break in bread together and we heard the word of God, which is the true bread of life. Jesus said the bread that came down from above is the true bread. We don't do this as a ritual. We do it in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us as we come together in communion. Uh, You want to, like we talked about earlier, you want to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13 says that. Uh, If there's sin and you have unrepented sin, you need to take care of that. Before you take the communion on, because the the scripture says that many eat and drink this unworthily, and they're sick, some are sick, and some are even dead among you not to do that. So lay it aside, if that be the case. But really, I'd like you to to lay it aside to repent and get things right. Like Cedric said earlier, it can take a, a, a moment of time like the thief on the cross, or it can take another time. But man, don't wait, don't wait on this. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Turn from your sin in your heart and make commitment to God. God, I'm not going to sin anymore. It's over with. Jesus had met with the disciples. They were there together in the room. And they were having, they were eating the last supper on Passover before Jesus was going to be crucified. And Jesus took the bread. He'll take the bread out. He took the bread and he held it and he broke it. And he said, This is my body that I give for you. Hallelujah. He says, whoever believes on me shall never hunger. Hallelujah. And whoever comes to me shall never thirst because you'll be filled with with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, I do this for you. He said, take it and eat of it, all of you. After they had eaten of the bread, of eating the Lord, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. The blood that I shed for the remission and forgiveness of your sin. He said, take it and drink you all of it. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Who do we have on tonight? Is David Kohler? David, are you there? Is David on? Are you there? I'm not sure. David Kohler there? I know Jonathan's there. Who else? Wesley's there. Uh, Tiffany's here. Uh, Boyd just left. Okay. And uh, Jonathan, would you uh, would you close for us in prayer, brother? Yes. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again for this day and this time together and fellowship, Lord. And we just thank you for your sacrifice for us, Father. And we thank you for the word that you've given us to, to follow, Lord. And we just ask you to give us boldness. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Lord, Lord, Amen. And, and give us the strength that we need every day, God, yes. to do your will, to do your perfect will. And uh, we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank amen. you. Thank you very much, Jonathan. You know, Jonathan said this just now in his prayer. And I pray this every day of my life. When Paul was in prison, in the book of Philippians, the last chapter, chapter 4, he was in prison and he was in bonds and, and, and shackles and he was there. And uh, he had no air conditioning. He had much, all he was eating was bread and water of affliction. And, and he said, I have a request. And you would think, well, he would request, y'all pray for me that I get out of this situation, right? right? And that I can get somewhere and have my own place and be able to go as I please. That wasn't his prayer. He said, pray that God would give me more boldness to speak forth the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And like Brother, Brother Johnson just said, he said, pray that God would give us more boldness. And I always pray, God, make me more bold. And I said, you more bold. I said, don't make me more bold. Make me speak out more. Make me not be afraid to, to speak and, and not, not worry about what somebody's going to tell me in rebuttal. You know, and I'll speak his word and, get, and let it go forth in truth. You know, people get mad because I say, hey, you can't sin and go to heaven? Because people get mad at me all the time. I get all kind of comments. Make me more bold to say it because you know what? If, if I got somebody and, and I really love him and his house is on fire, I'm not going to let him sit there and sleep. I'm going to go wake him up even if he gets mad at me and say, your house is on fire, bud. You're going to burn up. Get up. Get out of here, right? People's houses are on fire. You got to tell them. Amen? Amen. God bless y'all. We can have some snacks in here. God bless you. It's a wonderful time together. Thank you for coming. Good word, oh, 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 Brian, we want to pray for Brian, too, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brian almost forgot. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So I'll pray for Brian. Uh, let's all join together and lift, our, lift him up to the Lord. Uh, that has a great request that uh, God would uh, keep him accountable, that he would uh, find a place and really break before God and, and really live his life. You know, I've been knowing Brian a while. He's like, Really enjoyed him. He's got a sweet personality. We worked out together. He tries to kill me. <laughs> but uh, I like Brian, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that his heart's desire tonight is to draw close to God. And I'm thankful that God said, Brian, that if you'll draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. Amen. So all you have to do is take that step and draw close to him and say, God, sin's over. That's it. I'm not justifying anything. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going to walk in your righteousness. The Bible says in scriptures that the Lord takes the delight in those that are righteous. He said his ear is open to the prayer of the righteous. So God takes delight in that for you to walk in his holiness because you are already trying.
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we lift up Brian to you, God. That God, you'd help him during this time. And Father, you, you said, a humble and contrite spirit, I would in no wise cast out. That Brian's spirit would be humble, contrite, broken. Cry out to you, God, and fill you with his presence, God, and forgiveness and remission of sins. Release him from the bondage of that iniquity, God, like you do us, God. I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that you be part of this body with us, walking with us, with one commission, God, to go and preach this gospel to every creature, showing us the truth and helping us, God, to make it to the kingdom of God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray this. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, so. See you all later. <laughs> <laughs>